Hey folks, Ashley here. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know about a really cool opportunity that Adrian and I had recently. We got the chance to sit down with voiceover actress Jennifer Hale for his podcast, Adrian Has Issues. For those of you that don't know, Jennifer Hale is an award-winning voice actress who has voiced the female Commander Shepard for the Mass Effect series. Uh, she's voiced Krem for Dragon Age. She's the voice of Cinderella for Disney right now. She voiced uh, Maria Hill in the Avengers game. She's a busy lady. <laughs> and we were super duper lucky to get the chance to sit down and talk with her for a little bit about some of her upcoming projects. And it was great. She was delightful. So please go check that out. Um, AdrianHasIssues.com. It's episode 165, Conversations with the Commander. Um, and while you're there, I hope you guys listen to some other episodes of Adrian Has Issues because the show is is really great and really fun. I think with that, um, I'm going to kick it over to part two of our old school alternative bracket and um, see you there. That's all right. I was on another podcast and we were talking about wings a lot and... I was never more sad in my life because it's like, I need wings in my life. And I know we're just talking about the fact that like, oh, eating meat, you know, not great. You know, I'm like, my God, I, I miss buffalo wings. You can make wings at home. I know, but I'd have to share them. Nah, fuck all those people. Uh, <laughs> you cook them, you eat them. <laughs> Literally just me like a, like a pile of, like you remember the episode of The Simpsons? Where Homer had like the pet lobster that accidentally got cooked. Yes. Uh, Pinchy. And like at the end, when he's just like eating a lobster, everybody's just standing around. It's like, so are you gonna let us eat any of that? No. He's like, no, Pinchy would have wanted it this way. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's basically me and like a pile of wings if anyone's near me. It's like, you're just gonna have to watch me like debase myself here. I'm sorry. Well, because the climate at large, like, buying chicken wings at the grocery store they're like dirt ass cheap because most wings go to like sporting events and shit and that hasn't been a thing uh so they've been like selling them to grocery stores like dumb cheap so you can get wings for really cheap and i will teach you how to cook them i may not eat a lot of meat but i do know how to cook it so oh cooking them is not a problem it's just a matter of i know if i obtain them like I will stress eat wings all day, every day, and really become a trash human being. <laughs> like, I already make enough weird noises on the show. Do you really want that, like, every time? Like, Agent, what do you think about Radiohead? <laughs> the wings command me to speak. I was more thinking about, like, the, the like, finger-licking sauce situation and how, like, editing that would cause me so much stress. <laughs> so can I start like a like a, a Buffalo Wing ASMR podcast? Uh, <gasps> you need to find someone else to edit it. <laughs> okay. Because I cannot deal with with mouth smacky noises. It causes me extreme discomfort. Like those sounds that sounds like, you know, a couple on a TV show kissing? Yeah. It's like no one makes as much noise kissing no. at all. Like unless this is for like the visually impaired, no one sounds like this. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? This is painful. Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. I hate it so much. Um, oh shoot, podcast. <laughs> this this opening went some weird places. Oh, this whole show's gonna go some weird places. <laughs> so let's lean in on it. Let's go. I was walking with the ghost. 
Hey everybody, you're listening to Talking Like a Team, the podcast where we have a tendency to rush back into our past. See, it's hard. I am. It's very hard. <laughs> See, it's not that hard. <laughs> I'm not Ashley. And I'm not Adrian. So, if you've been sticking with us uh, so far, uh, last episode we were doing the old school alternative bracket uh, which was put together by a very cool Instagram user by the name of Chillwavekins. Uh, throughout this, um, very terrifying times, they've been putting together these music brackets, uh, sometimes bands, sometimes songs. I even think they did one about like Doritos varieties, <laughs> which is really cool, but they're basically these brackets in which people will go through bands and go through different rounds and crown a champion. Uh, we've done a few of these. We've done a 2010 indie. We've done a 2000s indie. Uh, there's another one coming up soon that I don't want to say what it is just yet. But if you've been following our uh, feed, uh, mainly Instagram, which is TLAT Podcast, which is run by Ashley, you may have an idea as to what it's going to be. But long story short, last episode, Ashley and I were like on the fun side of predictable with our choices and who advanced <laughs> to the championship round. And while we did East and West, which are just how the brackets are put out, they have no bearing on the actual dance themselves. And it was pretty easy, at least on my end, like other than trying to explain Radiohead <laughs> in a way that can't be explained and me raving about Beck. I think we, we didn't stress as much. Nah, it, it- Ended up being pretty chill. This side of the bracket stressed me out a little bit more. Oh, this stressed me out a lot. <laughs> For various reasons. So, we're going to start with the quote-unquote South uh, Division uh, Round 1. And already, we are at a weird crossroads. This first matchup made me realize some things about myself and how I am kind of trash. <laughs> Um, okay. So the first matchup is the Smiths and Slater Kenny. So, hi. <sighs> <laughs> Would you like to talk about what you did here first so that I can uh, gather my argument? Yeah, I also agree about the trash human being part because I had made a reference on the last episode uh, regarding my buddy Valentine about how, like, you don't get a lot of bands in the 90s and even 2000s that are not influenced by them. Like, they've touched so many people uh, with their music that even if you don't think that they're influential, they really are. And The Smiths especially is one of those bands. And actually, and I bonded over our love of, you know, scene music and pop punk and a little bit of emo. Mainly me being emo, but so many of those bands especially were heavily influenced by the Smiths and more specifically Morrissey. I am also aware of the fact that Morrissey is and has actually always been a garbage person. A garbage heap of a human being. And and especially in the climate where and I don't want to necessarily make this a, a fisted rant about like not really cancel culture necessarily, but like dudes been while in like <laughs> Morrissey has been on some next level buffoonery. Like at least before it used to just be like, well, 
you know, I'm just a very aggressive, like, vegan and vegetarian. And, I mean, he named their album Meat as Murder. Yeah. And, like, the cover was legit, like, soldiers and, like, I don't know if that was Vietnam or, but, like, there was a, it was in a, it was a bit intense as far as geometry and, like, you know. But that part I can forgive because that's not necessarily something you would lose uh, a friend over. <laughs> but some of the other stuff lately, a lot harder to forgive. But yet the Smiths were a huge part of my life for a very long time. And I still try to listen to them, but it's like, I don't know if I can. And I don't even know if it's okay to admit that I still listen to them occasionally. And especially if you put them up against Slater Kenny, which is like the complete opposite of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, Carrie and Corin would probably just... I don't, they would just glare at me like, really? Really, dude? And I think guilt drove my decision because I know in my heart of hearts, I'm, I would have advanced to Smiths, but trying to reconcile my fandom of them has been tough. Because they probably would have been very far on this bracket, but I advanced Slater Kenny just to. <laughs> and I don't get me wrong, I love them to death too, and they've been really good, you know, post comeback. Like No City's Love was great, and shoot, I can't even remember the name of the new album, the one I seen Vincent produced. Um, I- the Center Won't Hold. Yes, a monster of an album, so good. So off the strength of that alone. I advanced him forward. I'm very proud of you. You know that? <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I, I don't feel like you have to be proud of me, but I didn't really do anything, but I appreciate it. I, so, yeah. Okay. I moved the Smiths forward. I mean, that's also fair. I felt really gross about it, but, yeah. The Smiths... You joked earlier about me not being that emo, and, like, this bracket in particular did sort of shine a light on uh, the fact that I am actually a weirdly sad sack of a person, at least in, like, this particular time of indie music. Um, (laughs) The Smiths were just one of those bands that, for a long time really did kind of mean the world to me. Same, yeah. And, yeah, I get it. Like, Morrissey is mad problematic. And and choosing them over this, like, super amazing, like, feminist-leaning band uh, makes me feel bad, like, shopping at Walmart voting for Donald Trump bad. But I did it. And I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Like, I mean, I, and we actually talked a little bit about this, and I know I've teased it a few times. Mm-hmm. One of these days we might get around to releasing it, but, um, and some of the outtakes of an episode that got posted, uh, last year, we kind of got into a little bit of this topic mm-hmm. in trying to reconcile and deal with, you know, art when the artist that creates it is problematic and i definitely don't want to necessarily use this as a soapbox by any means but like i I came to this conclusion within myself of like it's easy to disregard i guess i'll say um art or an artist when you haven't been as invested Mm -hmm. 
So, like, there's people I found out about where it's like they've done this unspeakable thing, and it's like, well, okay, I only really like a couple songs. But then it's different when it's something that you've not necessarily modeled your life after, but, like, it meant a lot to you growing up. And Because I know something that happens in a lot of times when situations like this arise, mm-hmm. people are like, well, can people can be. Some can be like, well... I never liked their stuff anyway, as if somehow that's a barometer for why, you know, for you have no problem with. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like, that's not, eh, that, that's a little dismissive, but I wanted to advance the Smiths. And again, I know I'm still working out about what I'm supposed to do in this regard, because like I said, a lot of this stuff, especially lately has been hard to walk back. But then I also had to realize that it was always there. And I think part of me might have, willingly ignored it and the the like militant veganism like like the militant veganism and the asexuality and that sort of stuff like that that doesn't bother me so much because some of those i don't hold those beliefs uh to the extent in which he does but like i'm kind of there for that um, it's, it's the racism part. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. And I, I didn't become aware of that stuff until much more recently. And yeah, probably a, a part of that was just my own, my own specific blind spots to that stuff and not being extraordinarily tapped into the fucking thoughts and feelings of Morrissey. But yeah, it is It is something that I have to sort of figure out how I feel about it and how that translates into whether or not I continue to listen to this miss. But I, I can't deny what those albums meant to me in the past. And that was kind of where my choice came down to. Right. So um, let's move on to something wow. lighter. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation, <laughs> shall we? Well, this one's gonna this one's gonna piss some friends of mine off, and uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I already know this one's gonna this one's gonna hurt some people's feelings. Uh, so the next matchup is Pavement versus Archers of Loaf. Um, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. This one was super easy for me because I fucking love Pavement and Pavement because of. Um questionable content the web comic that's been happening for like over a decade now at this point they they have sort of become the epitome band of that like pretentious hipster and i liked them anyway but like having having somebody within that music scene sort of just like poke fun at them for it and their fans for it like <laughs> endeared me to them more so like moving pavement forward was was very easy for me archers of lip is fun um, I do enjoy them. I'm not super familiar with their stuff, but in doing research for this bracket, like I listened to them a little bit. I would listen to them more, but yeah, pavement move forward for me. It was very easy. So, all right. Piss off. People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they're gonna, I mean, unless you're saying that for me, because I did not choose pavement. No, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, because no, it, you just keep in mind you said no, and then that's okay because there was a split second where you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, but I did say like Archers of Love is a band that I'm not super familiar with, so I love Archers of Love so much. 
Like, I mean, ever since I heard Icky Metal, like, that album just was the world to me. And I didn't, and Pavement was one of those bands that I've heard about for years, finally got around to, and it's like, I enjoy them. Uh-huh. But I think there's, and this is not all of them, there's a subsection of Pavement fans, and I think you kind of hinted at this, that are like super into them to the point where I almost feel like I can't enjoy them for what they are because of the fandom so intense. I'm like, because I'm trying to feel it in a way that they are versus just how I come across with them. And I don't know, there's something that becomes almost inaccessible when it comes to Pavement fandom for me. It It is sort of like a microcosm of of indie rock music gatekeeping. It's just like that whole scene sort of boiled down and distilled into one band. So I do get it. I get that there are some really pretentious pavement bands. However, I just don't, I don't, I've never run, like come across any of them in like real life. So for me, like they're just another weird indie band that I liked and not a lot of other people did. So, (laughs) well, that's exciting. Archers of Loaf as a champion. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like, there are very few people. Like, I don't even really talk about Archers of Loaf to that many people. I just don't think they're on a lot of radars unless it's like a retrospective kind of thing. So, I understand that. You know, and I respect Pavement a lot because they're they are a great band. That's kind of like um, what's the one band um, fucked up where I like them a lot. They're fun, but I know people who are into them are like into them uh-huh. to the point where it's almost like, and as someone who's wearing a like good Apollo shirt, like you know, I know I feel Cody like heavily, and I wonder if people that I know who aren't as into them are probably thinking. I don't know if I'll ever feel them as much as Adrian does. So I wonder if that's maybe how I feel about them. And it's not that the music is bad. No, they're really good. It's just kind of like, I need to get past this little hurdle and just enjoy them for me. But this next bracket in the South, though. <laughs> uh, this was very easy for me. So the next matchup is Elliot Smith and Pulp. Elliot Smith, man. Elliot Smith. Rest in peace, my dude. Yeah. Um... I, again, Elliot Smith hit for me around the same time that the Smiths did and just became one of those musicians that was very important to me during a time in my life in which I listened to a lot of fucking sad music because my life was very sad and I was going through a lot. And on top of being a teenage girl in a world where most things shit on teenage girls. And like, uh, there's, I had asked you on a previous episode about a musician or an artist that, um, like spoke to you or like you Mm -hmm. felt like you got them on some sort of like cosmic level. And Elliot Smith is sort of that for me. Um, not in the like doing heroin, drinking a lot sort of way, but there's a, there's a story that Ben Folds has told a few times. Um, so I guess this is a quote via a quote. 
through <laughs> another musician entirely. But Ben Folds toured with Elliot Smith at one point, and um, they were talking about some of the like the new metal and the anger music that was coming out um, towards the, the latter half of the nineties and like dudes just screaming basically for fun. And Elliot Smith said this thing that um, has always just sort of stuck with me. And it was basically, I'm super duper paraphrasing, but it was basically like, if you've lived a life in which that sort of screaming has really existed and that level of anger has really existed, you don't want to bring more of that into the world. So, Hmm. and I understand that that's not how everybody thinks, but that is, again, that's just something that sort of stuck with me. And it kind of explains a lot of how I listen to music. Um, and we don't really need to get any further personal with that. So yeah, uh, pulp is fine. Uh, they're a band I'm not super familiar with. Uh, <laughs> so I moved Elliot Smith forward very quickly. There wasn't really much thought for me there. Which I feel bad because that's... I'll put it to you like this. Uh-huh. You know, I definitely... Maybe I didn't discover them at the same time as the Smiths, but, you know, like that post-high school, like, you know... Things got real in a very big way. Mm-hmm. And Elliot Smith was one of those bands that I listened to heavily. But it was kind of funny considering that, like, a couple of months later over the summer, I would be listening to a lot of those bands that, like, you know, you were just talking about. And realizing that even in my music, I always lived through an extreme. Mm-hmm. Like, one minute it will be, like, you know a barrier dead or every time I die or, you know, I guess at the time, like mud vein and slipknot things like that, but then turning those off and then basically listening to Elliot Smith on loop for hours. And then sometimes switching back without even thinking about it. And I have no idea what that did for my brain, (laughs) but Elliot Smith was just one of those things where it was almost at the risk of getting personal, like, dangerous to listen to. Mm-hmm. I get that. Because there was always this point where it's like, you know, listening to them maybe as a, a means of, like, you know, catharsis, whatever. But, and I almost feel like this goes into a little bit of the Smiths as well, where, yes, you know, Sometimes, you know, I know some people like when, okay, they're in a bad mood, they'll listen to something upbeat to get them out of it. Me, I go the opposite way. It's like, I might as well just feel this, try to get it out of my system so that we can come out of the other side okay. Mm-hmm. But listening to Elliot Smith, it was kind of like, if I listened to it too much, it would almost go too far in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I know that's really, it may even sound disrespectful to Elliot because I know that the man had lived a life and it was a very difficult life. And I would in no way diminish that with anyone. For sure. But as much as I enjoyed it, like I always had to sort of temper that with something else because it would almost be sometimes too much, but taking all the personal stuff out of the equation, but just as a musician and as a lyricist and songwriter, Mm -hmm. just ridiculously talented and, 
I think in a lot of ways, and it, it may, it's unfortunate, but I almost feel like it became sort of a cautionary tale. And I, and I don't know how to feel about that. I picked Elliot Smith. Let's move on. <laughs> um, I will say one thing before we move forward completely. Um, if you were only really familiar with Elliot Smith from like Goodwill Hunting and that soundtrack, check out he um, he and his estate released an album that he was like three quarters of the way done with when he uh, passed away called From a Basement on the Hill. And it's amazing. It's so good. And it's one of those where like, it's such a great album, but at the same time, like listening to it makes me so sad because of just the lost potential. Um, because he was exploring like a different sound and like plugged in instruments. And it was just, it, it's such a great album. And I cannot, it really is. I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah. Um, and I didn't necessarily mean to be dismissive, but I realized in talking about Elliot Smith, I would probably get like, Really personal. Yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> but, you and I both have a deep connection with Elliot Smith. Right. Uh, so the next matchup we have, okay, this is the last matchup in the South. We have Portishead and The Cure. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, we're going to probably piss people off because I think this is a really weird bracket. Uh-huh. And not from a it's bad, but they're matchups I never would have thought of, which actually makes it interesting because it's the cure. It's they've, you know, influenced everyone from like Deftones to Blink 182. And like, again, there's so many bands that actually I listen to that would not exist if it were not for the cure. And Robert Smith's Robert Smith. Yeah. And like between. You know, mainstays and department store radios to like a really hilarious uh, reference in Ant Man. Like, the cure's everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I mean, that cameo in South Park back <laughs> in the day was amazing. <laughs> that is one of my favorite South Park episodes. <laughs> like, it's just they're, they're pretty much a part of our pop culture, just lives. But Portishead is Portishead. And I know a lot of it too is if I grew up in the eighties, I would have been like the cure all day, every day. Mm-hmm. But by the time I became aware of music, like there's this amazing era, like mid to late nineties where bands like Portishead, Chibo Motto, like Sneaker Pimps, oh. Tricky, like just these amazing, like electronic, like trip hop bands. Like there was just this, a lot of just cool experimentation going on. And it was hard to kind of put your friends onto it because it was just so different. Mm-hmm. But it's like either you were into it or you weren't. But God, Portis had rules my entire world to the point where I ruined many a mission playing GCA. Because <laughs> when someone's like, hey, Portis head is on, I need to change the radio station. Who cares if I'm getting shot at? <laughs> it definitely is. It's definitely a vibe when you're like trying to outrun the cops and instead of being like, suicidal tendencies or like something upbeat you and i both do this though uh put on fucking like portis head or like the saddest frank ocean song right <laughs> and it's just like fucking figure it out it's fine i'm grooving right now and you will not stop me <laughs> <laughs> i 
realize that most of our like in game violent confrontations has been set to either Portishead or Backstreet Boys uh-huh. or, or Frank Ocean. It's just kinda like what are we? Who are we? Uh we're the best and it's fine. Uh <laughs> I Trip Hop is everything to me. Like that that group of bands and that music scene is just one that I really enjoy and it's just this really interesting sort of collection of like you know experimental like alternative kind of sound and like it's it's like gothy and electronica and it's just it's just all good things and portisette is like i think the most famous of 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 artists to sort of come out from that little scene and good god I, oh, I also forgot about Bjork and Morchiba, by the way. <laughs> I would give my my mermaid tail and get me a pair of legs if I could sing like Beth Gibbons. Like, holy shit. There's just yeah. something so unique and cool about her voice. I fuck heavily with Portishead. So, yeah, you know what? The Cure defined a fucking generation. The you know, most of my favorite bands, probably even Portishead and a lot of others on this list, would not exist without them. But like, fuck that shit, man. Portishead is everything to me, <laughs> right? That's kind of how I'm feeling on this. So, by all, like, God, like, but to the subtitle "dummy," like, it's just. Oh do you remember when they were on Saturday Night Live? I don't know. Again, that's that era where it's like there were so many bands in there. Like, wait, they're on here? Yeah. But it was just such a different time because they both managed to sound era specific, but also had their time. Like that whole just genre and artist was just a really, really weird moment in the nineties where this is going on. Like, I guess what some would be considered like, you know, teen pop is happening. Uh-huh. So like Portishead is doing their thing while like Mbop is like on the airwaves and yet there's the Spice Girls and then you know corn is starting to kind of come into like really big prominence and it's just it's the 90s and we've talked about this on the 90s episodes mm-hmm. like there's such a it was such a weird time because it's like how do all these things coexist and they were all very big it's not like okay maybe Team Pop was the most dominant but a lot of this stuff was hitting like pretty heavily at the same time how did we not explode well i mean i guess the 90s did end in like an actual like inferno so yeah like that second the self-titled ports that album came out in 1997 like fucking lou bega came out that year i think <laughs> it's just it's just the 90s you will never have another another decade as diverse musically speaking as the 90s it's just so interesting to me all right so we are moving to the midwest section of our little bracket here and some of these matchups were hard and other other ones were not so much this one felt like it should have been more difficult than it was but it was also like super duper easy so the first matchup we have here is bjork uh, versus the breeders. Um, basically, everything is said about Portis Head, but like magnify that, and that's how I feel about Bjork. <laughs> um, everything I said about Portis Head, but like water it down a little bit, and that's how I feel about Bjork. 
it was a super easy advance though. I like the breeders are influential and they are good. Mm-hmm. Um, they are worth your time and effort to explore them if you're not super familiar with them. But I don't know. If we're keeping it funky, like yeah. Bjork, my God. Bjork is one of those that continues to make amazing, amazing music. She's just such an interesting person too. You can't you can't say enough good things about her. Like I know a lot of people think that like because she's an outspoken woman that she's like a crazy bitch or whatever, but like uh, I love her so much. I think that's essentially it. Bjork had proven and she's not the only one, mind you, but had proven that we as a society and as a culture do not either like, appreciate, or much less value any time a woman especially an artist is outspoken and uncompromising and just does their own thing because they fought so hard to put bjork in multiple boxes and every album no every song on an album everything is a completely different experience and she just just is and you either accept it and go with it or you don't and you move on and you keep it pushing Mm -hmm. But Bjork has no point, you know, the good, bad, the weird has ever made an apology for who she is. And the music is just equal. And that's what makes it so interesting. And you would think you, as a music listener, you'd want that. But, you know, we like things, you know, to be homogenized. We like things to kind of just be able to be easily defined. And some things just cannot be defined. And Bjork exceeds that. And, you know, there's people who are like, oh, she fell off or she did. It's like, no, Bjork has never stopped being amazing. We just keep, you know, pretending that she did because it makes us feel better. <laughs> well, and, okay. <laughs> and all that girl boss bullshit that, that like prepackaged sort of corporate feminism that's happening now, like that is shit that she was trying to say and do and live and, and sort of live her truth at that point in time back in in the early 90s when nobody fucking wanted to hear from strong women especially strong women of color it's just because everything comes back to oh remember when she hit that reporter Uh at the airport remember the swan dress and i'm like really these are your that's it huh so that that's all you got like and that's how i know people are full of crap and Whatever, I want to listen to Bjork. Which, by the way, have you heard any of the new stuff? Oh, um, I I think I listened to Utopia, which I think came out a couple of years back, and it was great. I loved it. I I will admit to being more more of a fan of the earlier albums, but I think honestly that's just that I they've been in my in my world since you know the nineties, right? But. No, she continues to make really good music that's worth your time and effort. So, check her out. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, the breeders. Uh, Cannonball is a really fun song. We love you. Anyway. uh, So, this next matchup was also fun. Um, We have the Pixies versus the Jesus and Mary Jane. Um. I'm gonna let you talk. Yeah. I'm gonna let you talk first. All right, I'm just gonna let you know I picked the Pixies. Okay. And the Pixies were one of those bands that ever since I was a kid, I had heard about how they were like this influential band. And again, talking about defining a generation and how many artists that I was into were influenced by them being like, Pixies ain't that hot. 
And then all of a sudden being like, oh, my God, the pixies are everything. <laughs> like, I just, like, Black Francis, say what you will about him. I know it could be kind of polarizing, but it's just so interesting musically. And, you know, they're, God, it's so hard to just to talk about the pixies because much like a lot of the artists on this side mm-hmm. of the bracket are so fascinating and Constantly, you know, bend the rules within genres and they're just so much fun. They're interesting. And even when you think you know exactly what's going on, they find a way to flip it on you. But I will admit though, a lot of, I think what made my love of the Pixies was Kim Deal mm-hmm. and not having Kim in a band anymore was definitely like that was almost like, you know, the split with Sonic Youth, which I may have to just skip that because that's a whole podcast right there. <laughs> But yet, after that, like, they hired Cam Shattuck, who, rest in peace, which, my God, I want to do an episode about the Muffs so bad, because Cam Shattuck is, like, anyway, I'm going to just say that she's great, because now I'm going to start, like, getting emotional again. But she's so great, and talking about someone who defined a generation who people don't even realize. And then it's like, okay, then she was fired, and you're like, why would you fire Cam? But then they, like, followed that up with, like, hiring Paslin Chanton from, like, A Perfect Circle and Zwan. Mm-hmm who I was heavily influenced by, had a massive crush on. And uh, matter of fact, you probably noticed was actually the name of one of my characters in an ongoing like series I was writing. I actually named my fallout character Paz. (laughs) (laughs) And even in one of like this, like free to play shooter, I play, I named one of my weapon loadouts Paz because it was just a loadout that was weird and yet powerful. (laughs) I love it. So, like, the Pixies are just, they're so much fun, and the Jesus and Mary Chain are great, but they're not the Pixies, I'm sorry. And even if you know the Pixies just from their singles, that's still more than those, so rock on. So... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just... Remember that we're friends <laughs> during this this next little bit of conversation. Okay. I think the Pixies are kind of overrated. <laughs> I I think they're fine. They're just a, a band that I guess didn't didn't hit for me as hard. Doolittle's a good album. Surfer Rosa, good album. They're fine. I like them. Yeah. And I'm also the first to admit that like shoegazy dream pop, like fucking loud lo-fi shit is is just stuff that I fuck with heavily. Hell yeah. So I did move forward the Jesus and Mary chain, and I know that it's weird, and I know that it's probably not the correct answer as far as, like, which one of these bands is better, which one of these bands is more respected, all of that stuff. Psycho Candy is just such a great album. See, now when you say that, you're like, God damn, that is a very great counter-argument. <laughs> and they're just... They're a band that I find really interesting because like you you listen to them and you would never really put together that like one of their main influences like is like the shangri-las like they Mm -hmm. really love that like phil specter sort of wall of sound thing which is a super interesting way they just interpret that whole concept in a really interesting way and I just, I, I like them a lot. So, given my, like, meh feelings about the Pixies, 
and my like actual enjoyment of the Jesus and Mary chain. Like I'm, I move them forward and I get it. Most people are going to probably pick the pixies here. And I'm not saying that the pixies don't hit cause they do. I could probably go another thousand years without hearing where is my mind again and be fine. And that's a shame because that's actually one of my favorites. But I mean, that that song is just a song that has been used in pop culture to the point where it's it's kind of lost its original intent to me. I do agree. And it's probably one of the ones that's been most easily covered. (laughs) But which is funny because a lot of Pixie songs have been covered and they tend to be I mean, every like. There's bands that, I mean, like Lemuria, who's one of my favorite punk bands, mm-hmm. you know, their cover of Alec Eiffel was really fun, but then also Ghetto Kids did one. Yep. I mean, hell, even like Papa Roach did like a cover <laughs> of um, Gouge Away that was actually really good. And I know before you, because I think what they did was like, because you're thinking of Papa Roach covering that, they're probably going to like do the absolute most, but it was actually very faithful to the source material. Like, and it was... And I think that was what was cool because so many genres of like bands view the Pixies and even Jesus and Mary. Like, and that's what's cool about this list, and which is why some of these bands that we're picking through are so interesting mm-hmm. because they influence so many people. And you wouldn't even think that, but it's like Deftones. It's like okay, as much as they were, you know, into like all this like metal and punk, it's like. Chino just loves, you know, the cure of Depeche Mode and just all of, like this dream pop and Meatheads can't handle it, but it's like <laughs> Look at you, Jamie Jaster. <laughs> Why is churches build higher than Gojira and they play real music? You know, I was like, dude, like Megan the Stallion was also on that tour. Like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> Can we just talk for a moment about how she is delightful and I enjoy her yes. so much as a person? <laughs> I fell down this rabbit hole of stuff like from her on YouTube and my God, she is an absolute riot. Love her to She's death. She's so funny. And I need she and Lizzo to basically just run everything from now on. And I need that like collab album. Yes, please. Thank you. I will sit here patiently and wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And it's talking about this is now this matchup right here is a weird one. Like, how do you, how does this one happen? <laughs> So, I know you're gonna wax poetic about Sonic Youth. You know me so well, and I'll try not to. I'm so no, sorry. You're, you know you're totally I... fine. This is another point of contention in which I'm going to disappoint you. I don't particularly care for them. Like, they're fine. But I also fully admit that I have not really... I have not really done a super deep dive. I've heard the, the Carpenters like cover album, which is fun. And I'm here for it. I, I think it's a really interesting concept. And I think it's very cool that they they wanted to sort of pay homage unironically to a band that they really liked uh, that is so drastically different from what they do. But I haven't really like listened to their stuff that much. And I get it. Again, they're, they're one of those bands that like uh, walked so that so many other bands could run. Um, and... The Verb are another band that I am not super familiar with, aside from that they got fucking ripped off by Keith Richards and that guy's a dick. Like, I get it. They sampled, <laughs> they sampled your fucking song, but like, you took all of their money. 
And then lo and behold, they never really had another, they didn't find financial success really with anything else. Um, and they do. Con- but that song still slaps. It does so much. Uh, and they do continue to record. And the, um, I've read a couple of interviews with the, the lead singer of the verb kind of talking about that. And he does seem to have his head in a good place. And in regards to sort of like processing that and being like, eh, shit happens. But I don't know. <laughs> so I guess for me, these are two bands that I think are fine, but don't really care about. I did go ahead and move Sonic Youth forward just because of their influence on on this music genre as a whole. But I don't really have much else to say. So uh, speak. <laughs> no, that was awesome because honestly, that was dope. <laughs> And thank you for not letting me go first, because I also don't want to derail the whole show talking about how Sonic Youth and one of the most defining moments of, because, you know, I get asked this question, and I actually got asked this question last night about, like, what was your origin story? Like, what is your defining moment? And I think to me, the defining moment to me as a kid was the episode of The Simpsons where Homer basically becomes like a traveling freak show, like on like this Lollapalooza knockoff concert. It was like Hullabalooza. Yeah, because that's got um, that's got Billy Corgan does voice does voice work in that, and then the the Sonic Youth guys do, right? Yeah, it's like actually all of the Smashing Pumpkins, you know, Sonic Youth, like Peter Frampton's on there, Cypress Hill, and it's got so many of my great favorite like Simpsons quotes on there. And I'm not going to go through them all because that's not what this podcast is. <laughs> but if you've seen it, you love it. But that's my introduction to Sonic Youth because it's like, I need to know the band that pissed off Peter Frampton, who I grew up listening to. It's like, and why are they eating his watermelon? <laughs> <laughs> and since then, it was like, to me, like, there's this weird, like, holy trinity of 90s Kims. Because I mentioned, you know, Kim Deal earlier, Kim Shatuck, and then Kim Gordon, mm-hmm. who is a, just a dynamite figure in music and i think to me that's really what gravitated towards me because musically they're great you know the man's great but again i didn't grow up seeing a whole lot of women especially in rock music just be that badass and she to me was sonic youth and then it's like she produced you know pole's first album um let's see uh gosh what else is there like she's just amazing and a really big deal and i i hate that when talking about sonic youth like everything goes to thurston more and you know thurston's cool and all but thurston would have been nothing without kim to me she really was what made sonic youth so amazing and yes maybe they are a product of their time and i know the later albums they hit differently like it's not better or worse it's just different Mm -hmm. but once they split it was like there's there's this is the end of sonic youth and that hurt because I know it wasn't an easy marriage, but they were to me they were a couple goals for a long time. But man, I love my nineties alternative rock times. <laughs> rock on. And the verb are also great too, don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bit of sweet. Da, da. God, sorry. The song that song still goes. Heath Richards, you could have you know what? Again. Like <laughs> I get it, but like, come on, man. I don't. They were no, they were no threat. You to have you. so much fucking money. Please fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
God, we're not even out of the, like the round one yet. God, these bands are too good. Uh-huh. I I feel like as as we get like once we get past the first round, the this does sort of speed up a little bit. Now this one's gonna be this one's gonna be nuts, by the way, because I really want to know where we went with okay, this. Okay, so I have a confession to make. I thought I had. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. I got another. <laughs> I know. So the last matchup in the first round, uh, we have Stereo Lab versus Mazzy Star. I a thousand percent got Stereo Lab and Stereophonics mixed up. <laughs> um, and oh. Uh, Stereo Lab, uh, New Splash, Stereo Lab and Stereophonics, different bands. <laughs> um, I, so I think for me, this kind of came down to both of these bands are not bands I'm super familiar with. Both of these bands, I know like two songs from, so it just kind of came down to like, which two, which set of songs do I like better? And it ends up being Stereo Lab. Yay! Uh, <laughs> They're just kind of weird and goofy. And, like, don't get me wrong. Again, like, I feel bad that I keep, like, shitting on, not uh, on purpose, but, like, passing up female-fronted bands. Mazzy Star is great. And, again, probably should have been the band that I chosen because they're more in my wheelhouse of that, like, kind of, like, dream pop female-fronted bands. But I don't know. Labu Oscillator is is such a weird song that I love so much. <laughs> and like French disco is really fun and I don't know. They're they're goofy. But I like them a lot. So Mars Audiac uh, Quartet is such a good album. And I off of Wow and Flutter Alone, which is a song like I loop heavily even now. They're just again, they're they're so much fun. And Mazzy Star is great too. Yeah. And that's the thing. These bands that we're picking over the other ones are just like there's no way we could have them all at bands. Yeah. Unless we pull like a Feige thing with this one. <laughs> that's not how brackets work. Uh and that's also a reference to another episode that Ashley and I did on Adrianization. <laughs> yeah. So I move forward Stereo Lab, you also move forward Stereo Lab. Correct. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's go on to the second round. Okay, so you had Slater Kenny, Kenny and Archers, and Archers of Love. Okay, I couldn't remember who you moved forward because we talked about the Smiths forever. <laughs> That's fine. We need to do. <laughs> who did you move forward here? Slater Kenny, okay. like Archers of Love, I like, but come, on, there's there's no way they're they're beating them. <laughs> There's just no way. I'm sorry. There's, that's not happening in the world of Adrian. <laughs> All right. I'm here for you. How'd it go for you? Uh, I had the Smiths and Pavement. And again, like, I these are two bands I thoroughly enjoy. However, the Smiths, once I got past the initial, like, ooky feeling of, like, pushing the Smiths forward, I was like, all right, well, I've already committed this far. So, like, if I move them forward past here... It's not a big deal. Like, we've already established that I am a trash human who's willing to overlook certain things. So, um, so I did end up moving them forward over pavement. I do love pavement. I think they're really great. But this miss again mean a lot to me. So, um, the next matchup, though, that shit fucking sucked. 
Yeah. We have Elliot Smith and Portishead for both of us. So, where did you go with this? I went Elliot Smith. So did I. Holy crap. Wow. I did, honestly did not see that coming. Because I, I know even before we did this, Portishead means a lot to you. Uh, so, like, I, wow. I would have I put money down that you would have put Portishead forward. So did I, but I didn't. <laughs> Oh man! All right, uh, next. Uh, yeah, I'm proud of us. I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> don't be proud of me because this next one's gonna break your heart. Okay. Uh, so we have. Uh, you have York in the Pixies. What did you do to my girl? I at the time when I did this list, I thought I knew the answer, <laughs> and as much as I just went on about York, I felt like York can be a challenging listen. Uh huh. And that's not a min- that's not to be disrespectful. She just you know again it's it has to hit just right. It's like Radiohead in that regard to me. And it was less about accessibility and just more of like the discography of the Pixies like is also really good. And this was tough because I feel like the right answer would have been Bjork, but I moved the Pixies forward. And I honestly. I may not even know why. I'll probably like afterwards be like, I know why and the podcast is over. <laughs> well Maybe I'll tweet about it. T L A T podcast. There you go. And maybe I'll take a picture and repost it on the Instagram, which is also T L A T podcast. <laughs> the the Pixies hit for you in a way that I think it is uh more emotional. And you just have a stronger connection. And that's totally fucking fair. I get that shit. I had Bjork and the Jesus and Mary chain. And yes, I did just wax poetically about the Jesus and Mary chain and how much I like them. However, they're not Bjork. (laughs) So (laughs) sorry. I I love how we wax poetic about these two bands and then just decided to clip them in the next (laughs) round. (laughs) So, yeah. That's kind of amazing. I'm not even mad at us right now. <laughs> Again, this is pretty on brand. Uh-huh. And then we came to the matchup in which I did not give a flying fuck either way. <laughs> wow. Uh, that, that's... Uh, so I had Sonic Youth and Stereo Lab. I did end up moving Stereo Lab forward because I, I get a little bit more enjoyment out of them. And I kind of pretty much knew whoever got pushed forward uh, was not going to make it out of the next round, so I didn't care. <laughs> I went Sonic Youth. Okay. Oh, this is getting this is getting this is getting tense. I told you, I told you this this side of the bracket was going to be more interesting for us because we could still be on brand, but our brands are different with some of these. So this is wild. I feel like just we're we're learning things about each other still <laughs> with this. <laughs> All right, so the Elite Eight. You had Slater, Kenny, and. Elliot Smith. Elliot Smith. Okay. I went Elliot Smith. Okay. Would you like to expand upon that? Oh, this was tough. Like, this hurt. But again, these bands I got into around the same time, but one I think I appreciate more now, which is Slater Kenny. Mm-hmm. And I feel like nostalgia clouded my judgment a little bit with this, so I went with Elliot. Okay. Um. So I had the Battle of the Smiths here. Because I had uh, the Smiths and Elliot Smith. And you want to talk about the distillation of my sad sack ass <laughs> with two bands. Yeah, these are it. And uh, 
this this ended up being the most difficult nah that's not true uh this ended up being the second most difficult matchup in this whole bracket for me and i did end up going elliot smith as well which again is to not downplay uh, what the smiths have done what like what they've accomplished as far as uh, being an influential band within this genre or what they have meant to me personally as a sad sack youth of the 90s and 2000s. But again, and we've talked about it enough, Elliot Smith means the fucking world to me. So <laughs> the next matchup uh, I already spoiled. I moved Bjork forward for me. It was against Stereolab. Sorry, Stereolab. Uh, this is going to be more interesting for you, though, because you have the Pixies and Sonic Youth here. Yeah. Fucking 1993 are you. <laughs> God. <laughs> hey, I'll have you know, 1993 is a very good year for yeah? me. <laughs> like, seriously, like, there was 1993? Like, I mean, some mess came out that year. Because that was what? Like, Jurassic Park? The third Ninja Turtles movie, I believe? Um. Oh, yeah. Uh, can that be an episode? I'm going to talk about fucking Turtles in Time. Like the yes. movie? Like over the other yes. two? Uh, maybe maybe the three of them together as a whole. But I also... Maybe just the third movie. <laughs> yeah, because you know what? The third movie is... I mean, look. It's bad. I'm not just, it's bad, but it's, it's also entirely watchable. It's very fun. <laughs> I just... There's... Oh, wow. And fun fact... That's the only Ninja Turtles movie I didn't see in theaters, and I regret. Little Adrian like died inside, but yet when I saw that on tape, I watched it a lot, even though I knew full well this is not nearly as good as the first or the second. <laughs> but yet I was into it, and I had all the toys. And oh my god, my brother had because my brother's uh, three years younger than me. My brother had all those fucking. The, teeny, the the turtles with the samurai costumes on. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Those things were so cool. <laughs> oh, what were we talking uh, about? Oh, yeah. I moved Pixies forward. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm here for it. Anyway. Uh, so. It was the Battle of the Kims, and <laughs> one of them had to go. Sorry. Um. Okay. So you had, for your Final Four matchup here... You had Elliot Smith and the Pixies. Pixies. Yeah, sorry, short-term memory. Who knew? No, that's uh, fine. I wasn't like trying to be all like. This, no, this, I you just, forgot. <laughs> we literally just <laughs> finished talking me, about my brain's like, no, can't. Sorry. <laughs> all right. So, what did you do here? This was tough because again, this is one of those matchups. Like they do two different things, then they give off just two very completely different experiences. Mm-hmm. But I, what I was trying to say, um, once before, and I couldn't quite articulate it was that Elliot Smith and listening to him was something like, like almost like a, a very intense therapy. Like the, you know, when I feel bad, I listen to sad music versus trying to listen to something that's going to like make me feel a beat. But I also know that that's also kind of dangerous because it's like it almost can make it worse even if you're not attending it to but like it can be and how do you say this about 
someone like Elliot Smith without sounding disrespectful. Kind of like with the Smiths, as far as when it comes to sad music, it tends to be a little self-indulgent. Yes. To a certain degree. And again, that's not to diminish, like, that's not to diminish anything that they're about at all. But there's usually a point when listening to either one of those bands where I have to stop and say, I need to listen to something else. Whereas the Pixies, to me, are a little bit more versatile and like I could listen to them in various moods and kind of still get what I need to get out of it. But again, they're both fascinating. They're both super talented. And again, rest in peace, Elliot. And oh, gosh, you want to talk about heart wrenching. There was I think it was a uh, Elliot Smith tribute album. And the thermals, um, actually Kathy Foster, the bassist, um, who some of you might remember from, you know, all girls, summer fun band. Yes. She did a cover of about a big nothing. Oh shit. It's such a sweet tribute because you could definitely tell, like, it's not like a band like, Oh, we just covered this. We thought it was cool. Like it's really well done. It's so very much the thermals, but. You know, they keep it the the spirit of, I think, the song itself. And it's like a tribute song that's just so underrated because I think it does what a tribute song should is actually honor the original musician versus, hey, look at us, be cool. And I know I just talked about the stuff with Elliot Smith, but the Pixies, like I said, they, they just they hit in a different way. And especially where my head's at lately is definitely where I've been leaning. So, yeah, Pixies went forward. There's a song from uh, the Ben Folds uh, solo album, Songs for Silverman, which is amazing. Uh, one of my favorite albums ever in existence. There's a song on there that is literally a, a tribute song to Elliot Smith, and it's really great. He um, he talks about how he didn't really know Elliot very well, but he knew that he was a really good basketball player because they played basketball together, I guess, when they were on tour. And it's just hmm. this really sweet tribute to it it manages to capture sort of like how ben saw elliot but at the same time like how the world kind of sees him and it's great it's very good anyway that's actually really that's a fascinating idea that definitely needs to be explored is you know considering like the perception of an artist versus like who they actually are is always a fascinating topic so here we are (laughs) the championship round um Cue intense music. Side note, I'm going to completely derail this uh, super intense moment uh, by talking about uh, the Michael Jordan documentary real quick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the last dance, the Bulls used to walk out onto the court to uh, the song Serious, which isn't really a song. It's it's just this like super cool build up to Eye in the Sky, which is the best Alan Parsons project song. Agreed. And it was one of those, like, hearing it for the first time within the documentary, being like, man, that song fucking rules. And, like, Eye in the Sky is a great song, but, like, it's kind of nothing without that lead-in. And I just forgot how, like, epic and how cool the build is on that song. So when Adrian cued dramatic music just then, just imagine it was serious. Uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, so talk to me about your championship matchup. You know, Pixies have actually advanced much further than I honestly had ever intended them to. Like, I originally didn't see them getting this far. Mm -hmm. I didn't. 
because I know there are other bands that I thought I felt more strongly about, but I also just find the Pixies absolutely fascinating. But I also know that my love of the Pixies is like, cause honestly, like I said, ever since Kim Deal left, I never really went back to check out those later Pixies albums. Like, you know, Black Francis solo stuff I do dig. But, and as much as I had railed on about them, Beck to me is the whole package. Mm-hmm. And I find him to be super influential, not even just in terms of how like music and culture, but just to me in general, because he's just, after all these years, we know everything about Beck. We know nothing about Beck. And it's very difficult. I'd imagine to still have that air of mystery and to be kind of an enigma in 2020, considering like, we know pretty much everything about everybody thanks to the internet. Mm-hmm. But Becca's kind of managed to stay clear of that for the most part. And then I thought about recently when he had won that Grammy, I think was it over Beyonce or was it was it? I forgot who that was that he won and like the internet was like, Who's this Beck? Why is you know <laughs> like basically the internet was like, Who's Beck? And I'm like What the fuck don't do you tell mean me. who's Beck? Get out of here. And I've come to realize, like, shoot, like, even though those dudes been consistently putting out great stuff, which Hot Take, Modern Guilt was a much better album than any of y'all gave me credit for, but whatever. Um, It was like, how did we forget about Beck? I mean, not only did he give us one of the best uh, guest star spots on Futurama. Yes. <laughs> and Saturday Night Live, which, because you kind of find out Beck is a really funny dude. Because um, he has such a deadpan delivery, because I remember it was a Saturday Night Live sketch uh, in the late 90s. They were doing, like, VH1 Behind the Music spoof about Fat Albert and a Junkyard Gang. <laughs> I remember this. And, like, you know, Tim Meadows is weird how, like, basically going on his coke-addled, <laughs> like, tirade and destroying the hotel room. But they had, like, this, you know, the celebrity testimonies, and Beck was talking about how, like... You know, he found he found that Fat Albert sound to be really influential to him, and he had to like do a paper route to save up for his first trash can to bang on. <laughs> and like, he's so like deadly serious and deadpan about this. And I actually thought like that actually doesn't sound like something too different from Beck would do. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh! And it's like he's not a rapper, but it's like he's still you know. Spit some rhymes out and just, oh my God, he's just, he's back. He's fun. He's serious. He's introspective. He's just weird. And we've already gone on too much about that, but he ended up being my champion because it's just, I mean, I dig the Pixies, but Beck just continues to just be super fascinating in a time where music doesn't always tend to be fascinating. And uh, this is a weird thing to be like, this is a cool selling point on this dude. But, like, he just seems, like, down to earth and chill as fuck. He just seems like a dude. Like, a cool yeah. guy who just happens to be a musical genius. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. It's like, I didn't realize you saw these Grammys on my wall. Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Colin Deloy. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to see my gold records? <laughs> Oh my god, I love Colin so much. Those videos will never not be funny to me. <laughs> I am a thousand percent on board for your choice, by the way. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you did a good job. 
<laughs> so here's where I had to like rip my heart out and sort of figure out figure out what it looks like. My championship round ended up being Radiohead versus Elliot Smith. And holy shit, did I have to basically like put myself in a corner and like process all of that. And I I filled this out, I don't know, two weeks ago when we were going to do this originally. Okay. Uh, made a choice. And then like, as I pulled it up this morning, because I basically like made a choice and then like let it be. I looked at it this morning and I'm like, I feel like I want to change it. And then I didn't. And I still like kind of go back and forth on, on which one is the right answer. But I ended up going with Radiohead. And I, I guess my main argument is that, which is kind of unfair. Like my main argument is that Radiohead's body of work is just, it's, it's different, but it's better. Uh, It's more consistent. I can see that. And, and <laughs> like, I don't want to, I feel bad being like, I'm going to fault this dude because he's dead and he can't make any more music. <laughs> but like Radiohead continues to put out music that's interesting and, and still sort of is, is a challenging listen, but yet is, is very cool. And I just, I think Tom York is a fascinating person. I think Johnny Greenwood's fascinating, like, I just the dudes in Radiohead are all like stellar musicians and without a doubt and that band dynamic is really interesting to me as well where you know full damn well they put themselves they put the entirety of themselves in every album that they record to the point where they they've said like it's exhausting and they almost kind of hate each other by the end of it um (laughs) So, yeah, again, as much as Elliot Smith means to me, I did end up moving Radiohead forward. So, yeah, that's it. We did it. We went some places on that one. <laughs> that was... Because we're all like, the first one's so predictable. Yeah. Uh, Second one, not predictable. <laughs> so, that's it. We did it. You can find us and yell at us or congratulate us on a job well done, which is what I think you should do. You can congratulate Adrian on a job well done at a TLAT podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can come and tell me that I'm right and beautiful um, on Instagram at TLAT podcast. Mm-hmm. If, if you would like to email us and tell us both that we are both right and beautiful and that we do great work, um, you can email us at tlatpodcast at gmail.com. You can stream any of our previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Spot, uh, blah, 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 Stitcher, Google Play, any of, that, any of those things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a playlist on Spotify that you can check out that also go along with all of the bracketed episodes that we've made so far. Shout out again to Chill Wave Kittens for uh, putting this together. It was very stressful and you're a jerk, but thanks. Um, <laughs> no, Chill Wave was a great <laughs> Thanks. No, he, he, he did put us through it. Yeah. Though. Like a lot of this was very tough, but it was also very fun. Uh-huh. And I think we learned a lot. Yeah. And shout out to Chill Wave Kittens. Check out their account. Show them some love. I know we've been teasing it. I think we have one more of these that we're planning on doing. Uh, the the penultimate bracket episodes. 
Um, because it will definitely be at least two parts, maybe three parts. But I swear to you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be super duper worth it. We are very excited about it as well. So I think that's it for us today. Gonna sign out in a big bad way. (laughs) Don't get swallowed by a whale. Don't get swallowed by a whale. That poor whale. For more great podcasts, visit adrianhasissues.com.